Good morning. Good morning. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. So if you were listening closely when, when Deacon read the gospel, and that's always a bit of a quiz, how closely did we listen to the gospel this morning? You'll notice that it began a little bit confusingly. Jesus went thence and departed. The reason for that is that this morning's gospel is picking up in the middle of a story. We're beginning today's gospel with Jesus going into the neighborhood of Tyre and Sidon, which is a Gentile area of Palestine, from a Jewish neighborhood, a Jewish area in Palestine. And looking at the verses before our lesson this morning in Matthew chapter 15, we find that Jesus has just had a dispute with the scribes and the Pharisees. Uh, Most appropriately, this was a dispute about washing one's hands, (laughs) ritually, before, uh, before eating. Jesus was apparently at a meal with some people, and his disciples didn't wash their hands first. Uh, and there's a sort of very ritual hand-washing which would occur in a, in a good Jewish setting. The scribes and the Pharisees were wondering why this was so. And they asked Jesus, why don't your disciples wash before they eat? The law says you should. Uh, the Baptist disciples do it. How come... <laughs> the Baptists... Uh, how come your disciples don't? Jesus' response was that a person is not defiled by what he eats, but by what comes out of his mouth and out of his heart. In this response, Jesus is criticizing the scribes and Pharisees who were very attentive to the ritual particularities which surround obedience and righteousness according to the law. But, as Jesus is pointing out, they are actually wanting where the, true, the law truly demands obedience. Their traditions were not, in fact, the law, yet the Pharisees are very concerned for their traditions. And Jesus' response to their question, why don't your disciples wash before they eat, calls this attitude into question. What good is it for us to eat clean food if our hearts give birth to, and I quote from Jesus, evil thoughts, murder, adultery, fornication, theft, false witness, and slander. These defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. Jesus is speaking of a sort of interior defilement. The law and the rituals around it are very important, the rituals especially as they are symbols of interior purity. But where there is no interior purity... Those rituals don't symbolize anything. The Pharisees have a kind of purity, but their exteriority does not proceed from hearts bent on loving God. Thus, Jesus quotes from Isaiah, This people's heart is far from me. And it's here that our morning's gospel picks up. Jesus withdraws into the district of Tyre and Sidon, into this Gentile and also pagan area. Um, pagan in the sense that they really are worshiping all of the classical gods of the area. The Lord has gone from his people into an area filled with not his people. And he's gone from a debate where he's, he's holding forth as a rabbi among rabbis 
the true meaning of the law and obedience and the necessity of these food purity laws to be among people with whom he will not eat. As a Jew, the Lord would not sit down and eat with Gentiles. And almost immediately after he comes into this area, a Canaanite woman begins to follow Jesus and the disciples, and she cries out for help. Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely possessed by a demon. She calls him, notice, son of David, and she also calls him Lord. Lord is the English word uh, for kurios in Greek, which, or kurios, I guess. My wife is nodding at me. Kurios, um, which is uh, the Greek translation of Adonai, which is the Hebrew word for uh, when you're reading in the scriptures and you see the divine name of God, the Tetragrammaton, yod heh vav you don't say that name because you don't want to take it in vain. You don't want to abuse the name of the Lord that was given to Moses. So you'd say Adonai instead and read over it. When this woman calls Jesus Lord, she calls him by his name. Yet the Lord does not answer her, and the disciples demand that Jesus chase her away. She's annoying them. The Lord does not chase her away, but he says, and I think he's saying this to the disciples, not to her, I was sent only for the lost sheep of Israel. This woman's problem is not his problem. This problem lies outside the scope of Jesus' mission. She's not one of the lost sheep of Israel. Perhaps she hears hears him say this, but instead she runs in front of him, and I love the way that the the King James Version, which we read this morning, translates it as uh, she worships worships him. And she says, Lord, help me. And now the Lord addresses her and says, It is not fair to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Jesus, who just called himself the shepherd, sent for the lost sheep of Israel, now calls himself the bread for the children of Israel. And this woman, a Canaanite, cannot join Israel at table. She's unclean. She's a dog. Yet she responds, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall under the master's table. She's not welcome at the table, but she's willing to be the house dog, fed the scraps from what's left over. And it is here that Jesus says to her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed. Now there are several things uh, which this passage teaches us. I think the first of them is that we should be persistent in prayer. Uh, In one of the the commentaries that I like to consult for Matthew, uh, there's a quote for this passage from St. Jose Maria Escriba, and it says, Persevere in prayer. Persevere even when your efforts seem barren, because prayer is always fruitful. Often we must pray and look for God without any clear signs that he's listening or acting, because sometimes his work is simply not obvious to us. But we must persevere, because when we call on the Lord, that prayer is fruitful even if we don't see the fruit for a long time or even ever in this life. But I think there's a a deeper meaning that the passage is teaching us. And it's connected both to that conversation that the Lord had with the Pharisees and also to the really kind of disturbing nature of this passage. 
That is, why is the Lord so cruel to this woman? He's ignoring her. Uh, He calls her a dog, which is sort of an offensive word for Gentile. Uh, He says that she's not worthy to eat the bread of Israel. Uh, It's not nice to toss the children's bread to the dogs. Our Lord kind of sounds like a racist here. And many interpreters, especially those who believe that we have to read the Gospels uh, with the intention of discovering the historical Jesus, uh, Jesus as he actually was, um, whatever that that means, uh, the historical Jesus as opposed to the Christ of faith, will teach that that is actually the case, that Jesus here is actually showing his prejudices, Uh, that Jesus is, in fact, a first-century Jewish man. Uh, He might be the Son of God, sure, but in becoming man, God took on all of those prejudices. God took on all of those character flaws that would just be part of any first-century man. So our Lord's humanness is coming off here. He's taken on human ignorance. He's taken on human prejudice. And in the words of... uh, a certain Jesuit named Father James Martin, what Jesus really needs here is to, quote, learn from a wise woman how to be nice and not prejudiced and stuff. But this attitude about the historical Jesus is counter to the church's teaching of who Jesus is. Jesus is truly, fully man, though without sin, and this would include the ignorance and prejudice which arise from sin. These things are just absent from his nature. Further, Jesus did not have to learn how to be savior of the world in addition to being savior of the Jews. Jesus fully knows the scope of his mission and that he will give himself for the life of the world. Where else in the Gospels would we see this sort of behavior from our Lord? Where else is he rude or speaking down to someone? Where does he call someone a dog? Uh, He certainly calls Pharisees some names, but those were justified. Um, Where else do we see our Lord being unaware of himself or not knowing what he's going to do? Where else does our Lord change his mind about a person unless that person has also changed his mind about Jesus? Nowhere. Because our Lord, as the church teaches, is fully human and fully divine, possessed of a human nature. He breathed and ate and slept and wept and laughed and argued and got angry, but possessed of the divine nature, he knew himself and what he must do. So how do we square this with Jesus's behavior? How do we see these truths in this passage in which our Lord seems very flawed and very, very human? Jesus knows the needs of the Canaanite woman. He also knows his disciples need to know the truth about himself and to know what righteousness truly is. Three times this Canaanite woman calls Jesus Lord. Yet the Pharisees, the lost sheep from the house of Israel, who are also the children of Israel, who are given the bread of Israel, tried to argue with Jesus. They questioned his authority. They rejected him as a shepherd. But she calls him Lord. She calls him by his name. Why does Jesus then ignore her? It is possible, I think, that he's doing this for his disciples' sake and for ours. The hearts of the Pharisees were fonts of wickedness. 
This is what Jesus was trying to get out in the dialogue before this gospel scene. They kept the law outwardly, but the law wasn't written on their hearts. The Canaanite woman, who's a dog, an outsider, she's not a child of Israel, she's not even one of the lost sheep of Israel. Uh, she, who's only welcome to eat the crumbs which fall from the table of Israel, prays in the name of the Lord. The words which come from her heart are prayer, intercession for her daughter, and trust in God. She calls him by his name, Lord, help me. The woman has faith, and Jesus recognizes this and heals because of it. Yet the faith is there because the Lord himself planted it there. Her heart was humble and fit to receive the name of Jesus. The Lord then allowed the disciples to be cruel to her at first, to show them first that her faith was greater than the Pharisees' faith, but also to show that Jesus himself is the one who makes clean. Jesus is the one who heals. In reference to that dialogue with the Pharisees, Jesus is the wisdom of God who must be in our hearts, who makes us righteous before the Father, who allows the fruit of our hearts to be pleasing instead of sinful. Without his presence, even our most rigorous attention to righteous behavior is going to be eclipsed by the evil thoughts, adulteries, murders, etc., etc., everything Jesus said, uh, which well up in our hearts. The Pharisees were unclean, so Jesus went away from them because they rejected him, the true cleanliness. The Canaanite woman, the dog, is clean. Jesus reigns as Lord in her heart, as is shown by her actions. In Lent, uh, we have to be aware of the sins which are always coming up within ourselves. Yet Lent is not primarily a time to work on ethical perfection. Like, oh, I really hate this sin about myself. I'm going to try to get rid of it and maybe work on some patience. Those things are really important, of course. But Lent, fundamentally, is the time to be closely united to Jesus. His name is on our hearts, imprinted there indelibly by baptism. His name is on our hearts through the words of scripture and prayer. His name is in our hearts through the blessed sacrament. So let him make our hearts clean. Let us lay aside our earthly cares and draw near to him here, and let his body make our bodies clean, and let our souls be washed in his most precious blood, which you're going to receive however that'll work out. (laughs) Father, we thank thee who has planted the holy name of Jesus within our hearts, and with it knowledge, faith, and life immortal. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Amen.